0: Alright, how many of you remember that one time this uh, music stand hit me in the face? Does anybody remember that? Okay, awesome. That's probably all that we'll remember from this week. (laughs) Alright, awesome. Uh, Remember this week, we are looking through the eyes of a shepherd, looking at David. Uh, Remember Monday, we looked at Saul and his sin. God sees sin very seriously, Then on day two, we looked at how God provided, right, through the unexpected conqueror and how he provided for our greatest need through Christ. Remember that? Yesterday, we talked about admitting your sin, how if you are an enemy of God and you admit your sin to him and put your trust in Christ, you can become a friend of God. If you are already a believer, but you feel distant because of your sin, when you admit your sin to God, you grow closer to God. Remember that? Today, it's got kind of a weird name, and I'm sorry for that, but uh, the title, let's see here. my. Oh, you know what? I'll turn it on. That might make a difference. <laughs> gotcha. We're going to be looking at the Lord's anointed. Now, remember, uh, we've talked about this a couple times, but the Lord's anointed, what, what, is, what does that mean? It's just another name for the, the, God's chosen person to, to rule over Israel. Do you guys remember that? that that's, what, that's what the Lord's anointed is. Let's go ahead and pray before we get started here, and, uh, and we'll dive in quickly. God, thank you for your word. Uh, th- thank you that it guides us and it shows us where to go, uh, what to do, how to respond in uh, different situations, and, and uh, pray God that I would uh, speak clearly and that the Boy's lives would be impacted by your word. We ask this all in Jesus' name, Amen. How many of you have seen the movie or read the book, A Christmas Carol? Raise your hand if you. Okay, uh, okay, maybe. How many of you have seen A Muppets Christmas Carol? That is that's probably my favorite version of it. Okay, Muppets Christmas Carol. Uh, but then you've also got uh, the newer one that came out. How many of you have seen this this one? Okay, awesome. I, I love the soundtrack on this one, but I. I love Kermit the Frog, okay? And who, 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 are, who are some of the main characters from A Christmas Carol? Carol? Can anybody tell me? Uh, let's see, who's one of the main characters? Ebenezer Scrooge, awesome. Can anybody else name a, a, another character right here, William? Tiny Tim, yeah. Then you got Kermit the Frog, right? No, it, Bob Cratchit. Anybody remember Bob Cratchit? So at the beginning of this story, A Christmas Carol... You guys, it, it's in Ebenezer Scrooge's office, and it's freezing cold, remember? And you've got Ebenezer Scrooge counting his money, and you've got Bob Cratchit over here just <laughs> warming up his hand over the candle, writing a little bit, and, and he looks over at Scrooge, and he finally musters up the courage to go to him and say, um, Mr. Scrooge, uh, can, I, can I take a piece of coal? And put it in the fireplace to warm us up and Ebenezer Scrooge. That'll cost us quite a bit of money, Bob Cratchit. And, and he reluctantly lets him put a little bit, but only one piece. Bob Cratchit goes home from Ebenezer Scrooge's office. And you remember, if you've seen the Muppet version, version Miss Piggy. <laughs> and, uh, and she says... How do you put up with Ebenezer Scrooge all day? He is rotten and, he, and he's always just stingy with his money and he won't even let you take Christmas off without taking money out of it. And she says, she, that's a pretty good Miss Piggy impression. Uh, <laughs> Thank you guys, no. <laughs> that's the first time I've done that. And, uh, and, and she says what we all want to say to, to Mr. Scrooge, right? You know, oh, he's, he's so stingy. You know he, he he's so greedy, he's a terrible boss, right? Wouldn't that be horrible working for Ebenezer Scrooge? Wouldn't that be tough? You freeze all winter long. I bet I bet they sweat like crazy in the summers, you know? And uh, Ebenezer Scrooge would not have been fun to work for. It is possible that someday, uh, you may work for somebody like Ebenezer Scrooge. Your counselors will can attest to that that there will come a day that you 'll have a boss who does not treat you right. Um, and I just want to take a moment seriously. Uh, many of you come from homes that uh, maybe you don 't have both your parents or or your parents are not kind to you, maybe they're harsh, and uh, I'm sorry. But as we look at God's word today, you'll see that there's hope, even for a situation like that, where it's even those who are supposed to care for you the most are not the ones who are being kind to you, Uh, there's hope in God's word for even that situation. So, to be clear, I'm not talking about parents who make you do chores, (laughs) You know, make you eat your vegetables, you know, make you do hard things. That's not a bad thing, okay? <laughs> in fact, it's probably a good thing for you to do hard things once in a while. And, uh, and that, that's not what I'm talking about at all. David, in our passage today, if you want to turn there, 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel 24. David shows us how to treat our boss our parents, our older siblings, our teachers. He teaches us how to respond to them, whether kind or whether unkind. Maybe, maybe they're like Ebenezer Scrooge. David shows us how we're supposed to respond to them, and uh, we're going to take a look at this. However, I do need, uh, I do need some help, and uh, um, I, uh, would, the, would the Creston boys be able to come up for me today? Would uh, guys from Creston come on up quickly? All right, all the way from the back. I don't think I've I've used them yet. Come on up quickly, 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 quickly. All right. So to set the scene, we'll go ahead and read this. Come on up, guys, and uh, go ahead and uh, go ahead and stand right over here. Okay, stand over right over there. All right. Starting in verse one, First Samuel twenty four. We're kind of back in history a little bit. David is not king yet. He has been anointed. Saul is still king. It says in verse 1, when Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, who were the bitter enemy of the Israelites, he was told, David is in the wilderness near En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 of Israel's choice men and went to look for David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. So it's interesting, the author, Samuel here, actually compares David with the Philistines. You have the Philistines who are Saul's mortal enemies, treated the exact same way. It's like just another battle, I'm going, he's going after David. He is treating the Philistines the same way he is treating David, trying to kill them. That's, that's crazy, and so Saul gathers 3,000 men, so you guys get to be Saul's uh, 3,000 men today, and he pursues David and his men. All right, let's see, who's the, let's go, who's the shortest? You're the shortest right here, so you get, you, you get to be David today, okay? So David and his men, Saul gets word that they are, I probably shouldn't touch you and be this close, uh, David, David is hiding with his men in a cave. So can you guys kind of like act like you're hiding, okay? You're hiding in a cave, okay? Not Gollum. (laughs) Not Smeagol. You're just, yeah, there you go. Okay. They're hiding in the cave, and Saul and his men are now searching through the caves, through the hills, trying to find David and his men. Now, uh, I need like a, I need like a scary-looking counselor. Tim O'Toole. Yep, that's you. (laughs) So, Here here is Saul. Can you guys go? (laughs) Saul is scary. So, Saul is hunting David. Now, in the story, Saul needs to take a little break. He's got to take a breather, okay? So, Saul comes to the mouth of this cave where he has a little privacy. Go ahead and sit down. No, not like that. Not like that. I know we all know what it is, but let's just say it like this. And uh, Saul is here, and he's in the mouth of the cave, but little does he know that David and his men are in the back of the very same cave. I uh, just stay right there. I've got just like a, I want to get a quick survey. Maybe you guys know this story already. Could I get, Noah, would I be able to get a uh, blue mic on? All right, I just want to take a quick survey. So Saul right over here, is trying to kill you guys, especially David, okay? He's sitting here, just sitting there, not doing anything else. He's totally vulnerable. What should we do to him? What's the, what's the plan? If, if you're thinking, this guy's trying to kill us, what should we do? Kill him. Whoa, we should kill him. Okay? No, I, I think that's a, very, that's a good answer. What do you think? Uh... Kill him. Okay, wow. Pastor Dan, we need to talk after this. All right. Hide. Hide? Okay, that's a good answer. Okay, what should we do to Saul? Cool. What's that? Kill him. One, one more time? Kill him. Oh, my word. One, two, three, three three. Three out of four, kill him. Sneak away. Sneak away, okay. All right. What I, oh, yeah, come on up. All right, you get to hide here with, with, uh, with this mighty man. All right. And so isn't this interesting how intuitively... Sorry, that's a big word. We, we naturally, when somebody is coming after us to kill us, our response is, hey, kill them. Right? Do you see that? Like, when you just ask, when you just ask somebody, hey, what should we do? We naturally say, get them back. Right? And what's interesting is David says, all right, let's, let's go over to Saul And that's exactly what his men said, by the way. They said, go kill him. He lifts up his dagger, lifts it up. He cut off a corner of Saul's robe and went back to his men. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you guys for helping me. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Tim. So rather than kill Saul, David cuts off a corner of his robe. Saul leaves, finishes here, he leaves, and as he's a little distance away, David comes out of the cave. And let's, uh, let's take a look at his response there. I, I just want to read it. This is really good. Then Saul left the cave, at the end of verse 7, and went on his way, verse 8. After that, David got up and went out of the cave and called to Saul. Saul. My Lord, the King!" That's an interesting, interesting uh, way to address the person trying to kill you. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed to the ground in honor of him. David said to Saul, "Why do you listen to the words of the people who say, "Look, David intends to harm you. You can see with your own eyes that the Lord handed you over to me today in the cave." Someone even advised me to kill you, but I took pity on you and said, I won't lift my hand against the Lord, against my Lord, since he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at the corner of your robe in my hand, for I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. Look and recognize that there's no evil or rebellion in me. I haven't sinned against you, even though you are hunting me down. How did David... Treat Saul. Saul is the ruler of Israel, he's the king, he's the ultimate he's the authority there in Israel. But yet he is being totally unjust, isn't he? Here's somebody who's in charge and he's trying to kill somebody who's underneath of him. And this is how David treats him. First off, David knew that dishonoring Saul was a sin. David knew that doing something against him was a sin. We see that here uh, back in verse four through six. So they said to him, look, this is the day the Lord told you about, where he said, I will hand your enemy over to you so you can do to him whatever you desire. Then David got up and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, I swear before the Lord, I would never do such a thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. It says that after he cut the rope, his conscience struck him. Oh, he recognized that doing this to Saul was sin. Dishonoring the man who was put in authority over him, who was put in charge to rule over him, was a sin. He recognized that. Secondly, he defended Saul. Verse 7, with these words, David persuaded his men and he did not let them rise up against Saul. David defended Saul both physically, keeping them from killing him actually and verbally, you know, he explains, guys, look, look, we shouldn't kill him. He defended him. Although David's men Cried out for him to kill Saul, he refused to lift his hand against the king. Although David's men were saying mean things about Saul, David gave him honor. Thirdly, David honored Saul. Saul leaves the cave, and we saw his response. David cries out, My Lord! He doesn't say, Hey, dirtbag, right? He, he, he doesn't say, hey, you meanie. <laughs> Sorry, that's the best thing I come, with, come up with. He, he doesn't say that. He says, my Lord. Okay, he honored him. He fell down on his knees. I mean, he, he literally, prob- probably pretty close to falling down on his face before Saul. And this would have been a sign of great honor. Do you think Saul really deserved to be honored like that? No, we asked the guys over here, you know what we, we all vote that he de- that he deserved was to be killed. But you know what David does is he bows down before him, okay? He bows down before him. Not only that, this is something that we can certainly learn from him, is he spoke very respectfully to Saul. So he showed him honor, but not only that, he said basically what, what in our day would be Yes, sir, right? He, he didn't say, hey, you. He said, my king, right? He was very respectful to Saul. So as we look at this list of things that David did, it's easy to recognize that these are good things to do to your authority. But is this only to the good authorities in our lives? Is this only to the people who treat you right? Is this only to the people who are kind to you? Is David just going above and beyond the call of duty? I don't think so. David treated Saul the way he did because of his perspective of God. David's worldview, the lens that he was looking through, shaped the way he responded to Saul. So we're going to look very briefly at David's perspective of God, which resulted in these very actions that we've talked about. First off, he recognized that God is the one who puts people in authority. He recognized that God is the one who puts people in authority. He says that in verses 6 and 7, where he says, Look, I, how can I lift my hand against the Lord's anointed, the one that God chose to put in authority here? How, how can I do that? God is the one who put Saul in this very place. It's God. You know who else went through this very exact same thing? Jesus. Jesus went through the same thing, only worse. Jesus is standing before Pilate, a total sham. He, he never, never commit any sin, never did anything wrong, and he's standing trial before Pilate, and this is, this is their interaction together. He, Pilate, entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Pilate says to him, I'm the one. I'm the one who holds your life in my hands. Why won't you speak to me? You know, what, what, don't you see that I'm the one? Jesus could have responded in a number of ways. He could have responded by zapping him with lightning, <laughs> He, he could have he just shown him his glory, and he, he would have died on the spot. There, there, there are so many things that Jesus could have done in this moment to change everything. Praise God, he didn't. Here was his response Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Do you see who Jesus is saying gave Pilate this authority? It wasn't Pilate, it wasn't Herod who gave Pilate this authority, it was God. Isn't that crazy? God even put Pilate in authority. God also, in David's time, put Saul in authority. And you see, Jesus and David both respond in trust to God, saying, God knows what he's doing. God put them them there. Similarly, God knew who your parents would be. When in Ephesians 6, 1, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. God knows who your parents are or parent or maybe grandparents or maybe his teacher. God God knows who has been put into your life. it's, It's not by accident. Okay. Moving on. David's perspective of God. God is the judge. David says to Saul, hey, let the Lord judge between me and you. David lays out the facts. He says, look, hey, here's this robe. I didn't kill you with it. You were here at this time. I could have, but I didn't. And he lays it out. Hey, let God be the judge of this. He leaves it in God's hands because God is just. Maybe you've heard the phrase, life isn't fair. Hopefully some of you have heard this. <laughs> That's a good wake-up call. Life is not fair. My mom would say to me, life's not fair, Willie, really, and then you die. Oh. <laughs> That's a good lesson to learn. Some of us need to be told that a little more. Uh, however, I think in some way, in one way, it's, it's not totally true. Life's not fair, but God will make it fair one day. If, uh, in Saul's case, you know, David recognized, hey, this isn't fair right now, but you know what? It's not up to me to make this right. This is God who's going to make this right. God will make it right someday. If you have a relationship in your life that you're being mistreated, you're being dealt harshly with, Leave that to God, God will make that right. Thirdly, God hears our prayers. David says to Saul in verse 15, he says, I plead my case before God that he will deliver me. That God will deliver me, that God will be the one to make a difference. Saul Saul basically says, hey, this isn't up to me to go up and make this right with Saul. It, I'm not trusting in Saul's goodness to for him to change. That's not what I'm putting my hope in. So David puts his hope in God and does that by praying to Him. God hears our prayers. This is critical. If depending on what lens you are looking through, which specs you have on, is going to determine how you respond to your authority or, or whoever it is that's mistreating you. If you're, if you're looking through the lens of the world, you'll do exactly what these guys said, you'll kill them. Maybe you, won't kill, maybe you won't kill these people that are in authority over you, but you might speak harshly to them. You might give them cold shoulder, silent treatment, slam the door, walk out, throw a fit, any, any number of those things. If you're looking through these eyes, those are the things that you're going to do. But if you look through the word of God, you'll find that you can respond just like david david's perspective of god is key to responding the right way and your perspective of god is key to treating key to helping you treat your parents or teachers bosses in the right way if you're missing any part of this big picture perspective of god there'll be a lot of things to go wrong if god isn't the one who puts people in authority it's all just a power grab if God isn't the one who put him there, hey, it's up to us to make it right, right? Same with him. If he's not the judge, if you don't see God as the judge, it's up to you to punish people, right? If God doesn't hear our prayers, your hope is in yourself or in them changing. That's, that's not going to last. That's not a worldview that is in reality. God is the one who put them in authority. His word tells us so. God is, is the judge. His word tells us so. God does hear our prayers. His word tells us so. We need to look at our relationships with authority, with our parents, through the word of God. And that's really what this week has been all about, is not responding the way that we think we should, but putting on the lens of scripture and saying, okay, this is how God has told me to respond in this situation. Let's go ahead and bow our head, close our eyes. Bow your head, close your eyes, don't look around. Maybe you're sitting here today and and you know that when you get home, uh, there are some things that, some accounts that haven't been settled or maybe some things that aren't right with you and your relationship with your parents. Maybe you've been harsh to them. Maybe you have slammed the door on their face, given them the cold shoulder. If that's you... uh, if that's you and you'd like to take care of that when you get home, would you, would you slip up your hand and, uh, would you slip up your hand if you say, I, I have a relationship at home that I need to take care of when I get home this weekend. When I, when I leave camp, I want to go home and, and make things right with my parents. Would you just raise your hand? Would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Would you raise your hand if you say, hey, you know what? The, I, I, need to, I need to make things right with my parents. I haven't been honoring them the way that I should. I haven't defended them the way that I should. Would you just raise your hand? All right, you can put them down. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it teaches us about everything. It teaches us how we can live a life that honors you. God, thank you for the example of David, that we've been able to look through the eyes of a shepherd uh, to get your perspective on things. God, thank you for this week. Thank you for the lives that you've changed this week. Thank you for working in my own heart through this. We love you, God. I pray for these these, uh, boys who raised their hand and said, I need to go home and make things right with my parents. Um, I pray that they would share that with their counselor and uh, and that they would go home and make that decision. We love you, God. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.